Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation. Man to man. No excuses are offered. None accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts. Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk <laughs> man. I back it up. And we are sock full of that, man. Go right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> and that's the bottom line. Because Stone Cold said so. Be damn it. <laughs> and that's the bottom line. Because Stone Cold said so. If you're going to blitz... Come strong, but don't come at all. Coming strong with another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. I am Jeff Howe. I will bring in the rest of the team in just a second before we get rolling. Wherever you're listening, however you're listening, just want to thank you so much for being a part of this presentation and for your support of Longhorn Blitz. A couple of different ways you can get the show. You can get it anywhere you get your podcasts. Search Horns 24-7. That's Horns 247. No dashes, no slashes, no spaces. Anywhere you get your podcasts. Hit that follow button. Get every episode of The Blitz when it drops on Tuesday. You can also get it on the podcast feed at horns247.com, or you can hear it Tuesday nights and Thursday nights on The Horn. That's 104.9, 1019 AM 1260 if you're in the Austin area, The Horn app, and hornfm.com if you are listening outside of our Fairburg. Again, thank you so much for your uh, support of everything we've got going on here on Longhorn Blitz and all of our side projects additionally. Speaking of side projects, let me bring in the uh, the rest of the team. Start with the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire, our lead research analyst on Longhorn Blitz, and a daily fantasy guru. That's his big side project. He is Matt Butler. Matt, how are you, sir? Doing pretty well, man. How about you? Uh, I want to table something that you told me before the show, and i got to bring in the third <laughs> member of our team because uh, we might have to have some banter here at the top of the show. The third member of our team <laughs> wears many hats, including co-hosting Ball Don't Lie with Mike Harge each and every weekday on the Horn from 3 to 7, support that show, check it out. Uh, but for the purposes of this show, he is our lockdown corner here on Longhorn Blitz. Lifetime Longhorn, 2002 UT All-American, 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award. Fourth-round draft choice of the New York Giants back in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats of the CFL. When he was done with football, he got himself back to Austin, Texas, and the 40 Acres, where he earned his degree. Whenever that T-ring comes back in, we will make sure he wears it proudly. Nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU, and when you get that All-American honor recognized by the NCAA, they make sure you get one of those black cards. Number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. Great, as always. I appreciate the intro, brother. Rod B., uh, some good Twitter banter yesterday on uh, your former roommate, Chris Sims. There's oh, yeah, apparently I saw that somebody fanatic put, perspective. put together a YouTube compilation yeah. of highlights. Oh, that was fantastic. Good and, job. And too. I keep going back to the game that we rewatched during the pandemic, mm-hmm. the 2000 Texas Texas A&M game. Mm-hmm. The third quarter Chris Sims had in that game, outside of any championship scenario, it's one of the best quarters of football you'll ever see a Texas quarterback play. I remember that. That was a yeah. He went. He was in his own. It he was. was yeah, he did. I, I mean, I. He is just underappreciated, and he he probably never will be because every time we start talking about mm-hmm. Chris Sims or appreciation for him, the major Apparite truthers come out, <laughs> and then they, they want to have the major versus Sims conversation. It's like, I'm not trying to have that conversation. Yeah. We are just trying to have a Sims appreciation conversation. Can we have that conversation without the major truthers just coming to you know, put the kibosh on I, it? I have, my, I have my burnt orange T-shirt with a big white <laughs> apple on it somewhere I in a drawer. Like, I forgot about I, those it's, shirts. It's there. There are pictures oh, yeah, and videos of me hugging. Hugging major, I think yeah. makes, I love Mesa major. I remember. Hey, no, it's love a total point. Exactly. I love both. It's a great point. Yes, you can, right? <laughs> I don't know if you can. Get logo, man. Quarterback discussions are a lot like political discussions. Like, well, can I like some of this? And no, you're not like this. Like no, both. can't do that. It'll be one or the other. No. Oh, and certain names Sorry. just trigger a response. <laughs> it and does. Like, and it'll it stick does. with you like the Apple White and Sims thing. I think oh. I mentioned to you all when it happened. I was at a cousin's wedding, and somebody brought up the fact that, oh, Texas recruiting looking good. That Arch Manning, that would, that would be something before he was committed. And people were like, oh, I don't want another one of those Sims things going on. I'm like, what? Yeah. 
has nothing only because it's a it's a son of yeah. a great player. Exactly so then they're right. like, I don't want any of no, that. No, it's crazy. They're like, I don't want another sim situation. Like, you don't want another back to back eleven win season situation. Yeah. Okay, yeah, great, right. I want twenty six and six <laughs> to start. That's how distorted like, that anger comes. Because I was really talking to somebody about it. I want to reveal his name because I don't want him to be embarrassed. I did the, the same, show. and it, it, it did the same. And he he was like, I don't want another. I don't, I don't want Sims. He, he might he might he's like Arch Manning might just be Sims. And I was like, and wouldn't that be awesome? I was like, wouldn't that be amazing if he just just win eleven games in back to back seasons? Chris I mean, Sims was a top one hundred pick in the draft. Yeah, and I'm not saying he did he did he uh, did he fail to meet expectations? Yes, of course, because the expectations are ridiculously high here in Texas, as well they should be. Point is, it's not like he was a failure. Hell, until Sam Ellinger uh, was the what fourth winningest quarterback of all time. When he left school, he was the second, narrowly trailing Bobby Lane. I know. You had to have Vince and Colt pass him up after the fact. Like, he finished nearly at the top of the school's history in win percentage. I know. Jabroni. By the way, Rod. It's amazing you had the the same – you already had the same conversation with the Texas fan. I did. No, I I had that conversation probably a couple of times a month. Yeah. And now it's coming up more with the Archman. A couple of times a month. Jeez. 20 20 years later, we're still – Oh, about it. Hey, before I forget, eighty year old Rod, you'd be talking about it. <laughs> right. Your hat game today, very strong, sir. I appreciate the throw. I appreciate the throwback, I Astros. Stroll, look. Baby. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, hey, before we get started, just a quick piece of banter. Uh, I just need to throw this out there, <laughs> Matt. You revealed something to me before we started that I can't believe because e- even most sports fans by accident have seen this movie. You say since it came out in what 1994, what you have not seen Rudy? No, ever. In Never. any way, shape, or form. And I remember we had talked about this back in the day with Craig. Because wow. Craig Way was dumbfounded when he found out about a decade ago when I was doing the sports buffet with him and Rod. But growing up, you know, first off, my dad is an Austinite. So when you're an Austinite and you are born and raised here, like, that, Texas is like the Cowboys. Texas is like, you know, the yeah, Astros. Yeah, yeah. Right. So when Notre Dame beat, Cowboy, or beat the Longhorns in the Cotton Bowl, like, Notre Dame was the arch enemy of yeah. Longhorns and Joe yeah. Montana. Montana became the guy that then threw the catch to beat the Cowboys. So then there's an amplified aspect of Montana, Notre Dame. That's just sacrilegious. You don't even go near there. And like my dad, I'd always watch football games. I watch, you know, movies with my mom or whatever. And it was always at a point. It's like, now we aren't watching Rudy. What are you doing? Like they already had their own (laughs) network. And now you're going to go with this movie propaganda Uh, to everybody. That did not know Rudy. So then once it got to the point that I was in my mid 20s and I hadn't seen Rudy still, it was like, well, now it's almost a point of pride. I don't need to see Rudy at this point. (laughs) So still haven't seen Rudy. Okay. Right. Uh, it, it it's it's honestly I wish I could tell you that it's timeless <laughs> and that it you have to see it, but I don't think it stands. It's that's what time. I've heard. I'm actually I don't think it's timeless. I'm actually. I mean, I love. I, I'm one of those people yeah. that love Rudy. You won't be able to talk me off of that limb, but I'm actually impressed that like Matt hasn't succumbed to curiosity or pressure I or anything else, and he's yeah. like. Yeah, oh, I don't it's need to see it. It's been on TV. It's yeah. like, no, turn it off. We don't need to be going down that <laughs> route. Right. And then it was so cool that like it's, having Notre Dame come here when I'm an adult and somehow like a Charlie Strong team beats Notre Dame. Like it was very bizarre and weird having that happen. But yeah. just never really got to see him again. There aren't a ton of great football movies. No, nope. um, it's just I don't know. The genre just has not really evolved to that. Exactly. I'm but, against all football movies. Yeah, basically, football, football movies are just. I can't think great. of one I mean, that I like. Couple, there are a couple, but they're just most of them are not. So like, where are you at? Like on the original Longest Yard, good movie. Mm. The original one, exactly, Burt Reynolds. I guess. Really? No. no okay. I can't think of a football movie that I could say is like a good film. That North I've Dallas liked. Forty. Great, huh? North Dallas Forty. Mm. It was just old. No. I mean, they, it was like they're entertaining. I'm not saying they're not entertaining, but they're not. They're not. They're not masterpieces. Well, in the filmmaking, they don't, they don't the stand the test of time. They, most of them do not. Well, most in the, the game, I not. just can't get past I mean, things that don't look right, and it just doesn't look like football. I haven't found a sometimes, and that's part of it too. That's part of it too. That is, that is hard for them to kind of recreate it. Exactly. I mean, I remember when you know, any given Sunday was using like Terrell Owens and like NFL players because mm-hmm. they were trying to do it, yeah. and it's just still really tough to do. You know what I mean? It, just, okay. it, it really is. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'm the, so the football element aside, but the the plots and everything. Yes, I agree. Like they they've tried. I mean, the program is a decent plot. I mean, Rudy. I, I guess the plot is obviously pretty decent. Not, and now we know now it's more over. <laughs> it's exaggerated. That's why I hate Joe Montana. Extremely exaggerated. <laughs> That's why I hate Joe Montana. He's like, it's, like, for you. it's like it's like pro wrestling. Like, hey, let yeah. me just let me. Sus- I know what's happening here. I know there are creative yeah, exactly. liberties taken. Let <laughs> me suspend disbelief. I don't need you to tell me. Yeah. 
Yeah, yes. I guess Ace Ventura is a good football movie. I'll give Ace him that. Ace Ventura, there you go. That's, that's actually that's about that may it. be one of the best. That's actually, the that, and it right. barely has zero gameplay. But so you're right. If you want to consider it a football movie, I guess you could throw it in there. That is a great question. That's about yeah, football it. movies just aren't as great. You know, baseball movies are baseball probably movies the best sport movies. Even basketball yeah. movies. Like basketball movies are pretty are pretty. Above good. the rim? Oh, I don't know. Blue chips? Oh, dude. Yeah. I don't know. Basketball movies. You get, he love, got love game. And, love and basketball? Love and basketball? No, yeah, he basketball got games. Movies, and all those are depicted off yeah. the NBA court, more just on a street court, which is a lot more realistic. Yeah, I was say basketball, gameplay. you can do it. Yeah, yep. but it's something about football. I don't know why. It just has it. They have, that's not that iconic. What's the most iconic Football is it? It might be Rudy. Unfortunately, yeah. If you're talking about the most iconic Ooh. football movie, unfortunately, it might be Rudy. That's the bad part. Yeah. Is that Rudy is the most iconic. He's like saying, "Who's the best female rapper of all time?" You're like, "I don't know." <laughs> might be Queen Latifah. Well, okay, that's part of your problem. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know, so it's like, Rudy. She, I mean, that's the Queen Latifah of, 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 of football movies in terms of that genre. Like, I don't know. I have no idea who the greatest female rapper is. I'm not trying to insult female rappers. I'm just saying well, I've had this conversation Lil just Kim. like with my friends. Is that like? Is that like when I try to? Uh, when I and try he's to? Like, Nicki Minaj. I'm like Nicki Minaj. Really? Well, if she is, then well, that that kind of proves the point. Is that mm-hmm. like when uh, at Horns 24/7 when I took it upon myself to handle doing the All Decade team for the 2010s and I had to I got to the offensive line and I'm like, oh, <laughs> um. Exactly. Connor Williams and, uh, and I don't know what else I got. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Like that. I think that's kind of. I. I mean, we may be missing one, but there's not a ton. No, there's the program none. any given Sunday. And those were all okay movies from a long time uh, ago. You like know, the the mo- you throw movies that you like them for what they are. Yeah, you don't but, take them too but serious. But baseball has so many iconic ones. Now we said mm-hmm. base, baseball, basketball has a few. I mean, we talk about Hoosiers. I mean, basketball has like a couple of those, <laughs> and baseball has a ton. Mm, football just doesn't hasn't done it yet. Yeah, nope. maybe we. Maybe I need to get into that. I mean, it'd be a good idea it, if you I could do it. I my my. I think they need to get into more biopics. I think football mm-hmm. has great biopics. And I think they need to get into stuff like that. Yep. Like I would do Hollywood Henderson because I think he's got a really good one. And then you could do something really, really fly, just kind of about the luckiest man, basically, kind of thing yep. from that angle. Uh, I would do Jim Brown would be good. Jim Brown is another good one. Walter Payton. Yeah, I think, gotta, I think they should go. I think you got. I think got to go back to biopics, like biopics of football instead of just these storylines about the like game Joe Namath would be another one. I would. I would want to see a biopic on Joe Namath. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like it's if you you better get the right characters and everything, yeah. right? That's key, getting the right person to play it. But I think that's kind of the key because you go you go look at some of the lives of some of these guys, and they're just it's just phenomenal. Yeah, I mean it really is like some of the trials and tribulations they have to overcome and all that kind of stuff. So and then you yeah you go you go Jim Brown, you can throw you know civil rights Johnny Unitas and you know Johnny well, Johnny Unitas cool. playing like semi pro football yeah, before it, it could be they oh, with the Colts. Yeah, yeah exactly so so many so many different angles yeah. you can take well the angle that we're going to take from here on out is Texas football and we talked a lot about the Texas offense last week hearing all the audio that we've heard the last couple of weeks from Sark and we really got into talk about personnel groupings last week which has been a, a big topic of ours mm-hmm. this season but I'm going to switch gears and talk about the defense this week Rod and, and I keep going back to this one point and I think, not to say this is going to completely shape the Texas defense, but it's going to be one of those things that if it works out, it'll be a sign that this defense under Pete Kwiatkowski is heading in the right direction. And, and uh, I'll give my colleague Mike Roach credit. He reported this several weeks ago before it actually came to light in public. Uh, this staff wants to use DeMarvin Overson on the edge. We talked about the edges defensively and how if you're going to look at all the areas where the defense was faulty last year. And, man, we don't have enough time left in this show or before the season starts to get to really dig into all the areas where the defense was faulty and how it was. We've, We've done, done that. a lot this offseason. We've done it a lot. Uh, but if you want to look at maybe the one area that needs the biggest improvement, needs the biggest helping hand, if you will, it's got to be the edges. I brought up, I'll bring it again, the sack numbers, 1.67 sacks per game for Texas, the lowest total by a Texas defense since 1997. Ben Davis with two and a half sacks, the lowest total for a Texas single-season sack leader since the school started keeping sacks as an official statistic in 1975. And then we talk about the ability to the inability to stop the run on the edges. C-gap runs and everything out. Texas last year gave up about seven yards a carry on runs to the C-gap and out. And with as much wide zone as you see in the Big 12, that got to be a really big problem. So, Rod, there, we talk about, like, the guys that I think this staff likes 
are just young. We're like a mm-hmm. Justice Finkley, Baron Sorrell. Those are the two guys that anytime you talk to people close to the program or anytime publicly people are talking about young guys on the edge, those are the two names that continue to come up. And there's a lot of hope that those guys can be anchors for you you know, probably in 2023, 2024, those couple of seasons really be good anchors for you on the edge. But maybe they're not ready for to, to have really high-volume snap seasons in 2022. So the return of Ovi Agofu and now the ability or the potential you've got to move to Marvin Overson around, now you hope that, okay, you can moneyball it a little bit, get the young guys some more snaps, but also these two veteran guys that are versatile, you give them some snaps. And the Overshown chess piece idea is something that we've talked about, I don't want to say since he stepped on campus, we've been talking about that Mm -hmm. with him on this show. But to me, the part that is going to make that work, it doesn't have anything to do with the Marvin Overshown skill set. If you don't get adequate inside linebacker play to where you can afford to move to Marvin Overshown around, that idea is moot. It doesn't even matter at that point if you don't have the luxury to be able to move him around. Yeah, and heard, heard some good reports this summer on David Benda. Jalen Ford had a really good spring, and apparently his from everything I've heard, I haven't heard anything to contradict the fact that he hasn't slowed down. So things are appear to be trending the right direction for him. But Diamante Tucker Dorsey's a guy that we talked about. Right after he committed to Texas and signed with Texas and got to campus, we spent an episode talking about him. And I keep going back to him because, man, linebacker was such a huge thing. Like, Sark, even late last season, was talking about how big of a need depth at inside linebacker was. Mm-hmm. And that was before Luke Brockermeyer tore his ACL and who knows at this point when he's going to be back and at what point do you get a healthy, ready-to-go Luke Brockermeyer. It's going to be end of the season most likely before that happens or into the season, not the end of the season, if, if I just need to make sure I speak clearly there. But Tucker Dorsey has to be a guy that comes in and produces at a high clip, not just to make that transfer portal take pay off. But again, if you don't get the kind of production you, you that you need to get from him, Ron, the overshone thing in terms of him being the chess piece, it doesn't matter at that point because you have to play him at off-ball linebacker. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I think they... They're going through the same thing I think the Cowboys are going through right now with Michael Parsons, right? Michael Parsons, you want to move Michael Parsons around. He's one of the best edge rushers in the NFL. The more you move him around, makes him tougher to game plan for, uh, and you want to force the offense to have to account for him on every down and and make sure he's somewhere different. So they have to even restructure, right, the the uh, essentially restructure either the formation or restructure the strength week of formation just to try to account for that guy because he's that impactful. And I'm not saying DeMarvin Overshawn is Michael Parsons. I'm not saying that at all. Right. Uh, but there's a lot of talk about training camp starting up that Jabril Cox has got to be the key, right? Jabril Cox and Leighton Vander Esch, the way they develop at linebacker is going to be key to how much they can move Michael Parsons around. you got two linebackers you trust in there. All right, then we can move him around the formation all over the place. And that's the same thing happening with Texas and uh, Tuck. All right, Diamante Tucker Dorsey. They trust him, and Sark has said that right now, Diamante Tucker Dorsey's consistency is allowing them to do some different things and and, and test the versatility, if you will, experiment with the versatility of DeMarvio and Overshone. Um, so you're totally right. Jalen Ford's already proven himself, so they got one. Mm-hmm. Well, one, I think they really trust uh, Diamante Tucker Dorsey. When training camp starts, I think they'll see a lot more. I think right now they they trust him to potentially be that other off-ball linebacker, and situationally they can move DeMarvin Overshawn around. So, yes, the true, t- the true, you know, really key to being able to catalyze the concept of hybridizing DeMarvin Overshawn is Diamante Tucker Dorsey and Jalen Ford, both of those guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, their consistency, and their durability. Yeah. 100%. When you look at the way that they've used DeMarion in recent years, or it's really changed from year to year to year. But when you look at last year, what was his highest grade, according to PFF? Clearly, pass rush. And mm-hmm. a lot of that, you know, the grading system's off when the entire defense is off and just so bad you aren't going to have high grades really anywhere. But when you look at him, he was pretty successful in the limited amount of time. So it's good to be able to – we keep talking about, well, if you don't have, you know, the defensive front that you like but you have all these bodies, 
let's put them in the situations that they've been successful at before, try to platoon these scenarios to see what's going to be most successful. And right now there's really nothing proven at linebacker, so it's really hard to find somebody that fits in. But then you get to transfer where you can add a model of consistency, and that sort of can then make your other pieces try to fit in. Well, we need somebody off the edge. Well, we need this clearly defined role. And once you start to look at these guys, maybe you're able to piece together those pieces Mm -hmm. around the one steady piece that you may be able to have found in a guy like Tucker Dorsey. I'm glad you said that, Matt, because that's kind of where I wanted to go next. Steady pieces. Like we talked about this with the interior defensive line, right? Like who, who are your like three down players right now that you trust to be three down players of your interior line group? Like Moro Ojimo, probably. Could be. Maybe Tavondre Sweat. Sweat. Yeah. I mean, yeah. They've had snaps. So at least, you know, there's some experience. But that, that to me, Rod, that, that's the crux of it, right? What Matt's talking about, steady pieces. Like you can talk about, oh, we can do this with the, you know, the star position and we can do this moving this guy to the edge and we can have this guy rushing them and we can play this coverage or whatever. Man, if, if you don't have a couple of steady pieces that can anchor your defense, then what mm-hmm. are we really talking about? Well, that's development. I mean, so we we don't know that. That's the that's the great unknown, right? We have no mm-hmm. idea what's happening with the actual development of the talent they have behind the scenes. All we know is about the talent acquisition that they're getting, and then we know about what we see on the field as the result. Uh, and then that's when you can determine your own uh, and kind of really calculate the unknown, which is well, obviously there's no damn development if you're bringing in a lot of talent mm-hmm. and on the field you're getting five and seven. It's like well, obviously lack of development. That's been the big issue for Texas for years now. So I, I'm with you. I think ultimately whether those pieces we saw last year on defense, and I've said it before, none of those guys I trusted to be able to win a one-on-one battle up front on the D-line or even on the back end in coverage. And I think that led to PK being mm, – I, I think he was a bit flummoxed as to how to win the numbers battle uh, yeah. when he he didn't have a way to – you know, demand a double team up front and he didn't have the way to win one-on-ones or have a coverage defender that could match up one-on-one on the back end and be trusted in a one-on-one coverage situation. And, yeah, schematically I'm sure there's a way to scheme around that, but he did not figure it out last year. Uh, this year maybe you have that in the back end because you switched up a lot of pieces, right? You brought in Ryan Whiteside of the transfer portal, moved Anthony Cook to safety, moved Keaton Crawford to safety, uh, you brought Jade Barron in. You're going to have new faces. Maybe those guys just cover better, and you do find a couple of defenders that, no, no, I can trust those guys in man coverage. I don't always have to protect them on every down. That was a problem. Right? You can't protect everybody. And I think PK was trying to protect the D-line, protect yeah. the edges, protect the DBs. Mm, can't protect can't. everybody, man. It's a, it's a true – the reason that it is a chess match is because you have to decide down to down what you're going to protect, where you're going to be vulnerable, and where you're going to attack and what you're going to exploit. And, yes, it's going to leave you vulnerable somewhere else. But if you, if you disguise it correctly – all right, and you call it correctly, meaning you know, uh, to some extent, you have to be able to uh, predict the tendencies of your opponent, and you call it correctly, then more oftentimes than not, you'll be on top. And I think yeah. PK struggled with that last year because he really didn't have anybody that he trusted to win. Right. One-on-one yeah. on defense. And if you're trying to protect every group, it's basically just going to make you be mediocre across exactly. the board. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. like, you're only trying to make it to a point where you aren't getting beat, but then you're still beatable. So if at that point you're just sort of diluting your upside and you have no upside. And that's why when you look at these players and the way that they were used, like if we're talking about linebackers, you got to rely on the front to be successful for the linebackers to even be able to do their mm-hmm. jobs. And like we saw yep. that Ojima was a guy that they never used to – knows he had one snap 265 snaps are going to be a traditional d tackle like you're going to be using them there so you sort of can pencil him into that slot but everybody else was sort of interchangeable you look at byron yeah. murphy he was uh, 163 snaps they categorized the a hmm. gap and then you had 132 at the b then you had coburn was 220 a and then it'd be 163 at b so you had guys that were able to be used there, but we never saw anybody, you know, sort of stand out and become somebody that you could rely on or be what we would say that war daddy guy. And we've already talked mm-hmm. about like Coburn. We well, aren't going to use him later 
in downs. You're gonna he's gonna be your early down traditional yep. guy, but then you're sort of enticing the opponent to and throw get, early. Well, yeah, and also <laughs> to, get, to not substitute and to keep yeah. him on the field. Yeah. So then, like that sort of becomes like the way that yeah. centers become not playable in basketball, mm-hmm. and it's like you have that fear, and you don't want to sort of give them the answers to the test because if they do do that, and you got to respect the coaches of the Big Twelve, like they're the ones that know the scouting, they know what their opponents are doing. So once you sort of volunteer those things to your guys, it sort of starts eliminating players. We talked about the upside of a guy like Murphy that mm-hmm. we've actually seen him be an average to above average across the board, but he was in limited snaps. Therefore, you didn't necessarily earn the trust. Maybe he can be that guy that now he's been in the system longer, can be somebody that you can sort of yeah. anchor yeah. around. And if we're talking about, well, if you have Tucker Dorsey as a guy that maybe has proven that he's going to be a reliable guy to just take these snaps, not get played off of the field, then it's like, okay, well, you're going to really rely heavily on maybe your Murphys, maybe your Ojemos, or a guy mm-hmm. like Sweat, who is another one that was used at both more so as a D tackle, but they did put him at nose, so then it makes you the ability to be multiple a little bit, but it's still a lot of questions because you don't have guys that are proven. Right, uh, to take to take our concept that we've talked about all offseason with the Texas defense, which, you know, we broke it down, and I asked you, I said, hey, if you're, if you're Pete Kwiatkowski and you're making a list of things that this is what I need to fix on defense, what's number one? And we said, hey, find your best 11. Just figure out who your best 11 mm-hmm. are and just start from there. And I think what we're talking about now, if you're looking at what the ceiling is for this defense, which in the, in the big picture is kind of what I want to get to this week, is as we start to figure out win totals and everything, we've talked a lot about the offense and kind of all the nooks and crannies of it and what the ceiling for that offense is. But when you look at this defense, I think you take that idea right of finding your best 11, and now I think you you start to break that down into the next step is, okay, of these 11, who are the guys within this 11 that no matter down and distance, no matter what formation we see, no matter what point in time in the game it is, no matter the scenario, I trust that I can have them on the field and they can make an impact. And right now, I think this defense has two of those guys. I think Anthony Cook is one of those guys. I like Anthony Cook. And I think DeMarvin Overson is one of those guys. Outside of that, I don't know if the Texas staff, if I was in that meeting room right now, I would not have the comfort level to really go beyond that. And that's not that's not a knock on those no. guys, their talents. Nope. But it gets back to what Matt said. It's either guys that we've seen flash that just haven't done it over a big sample size or – it's guys that we saw last year that really struggled based on the number of factors you laid out a minute ago. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I, I, it's it's nothing against like guys like Deshaun Jameson, who there's a lot expected of, but I haven't seen. I've got a Deshaun uh, Jameson question for you in a minute, so uh, let me get no, back to that. That's going down. Deshaun Jameson rabbit Sick. hole coming up, uh, but I haven't seen you know that kind of linear progression from a lot of the guys. It's just been it's sporadic. He's Deshaun James is a prime example, right? Mm-hmm. Overshown too. Yeah, and, and overshown, right? It, but but that's see, that's why I think I'm with you. I don't know, you know, Anthony Cook. Yeah, I like what he, I saw from him last year, but that could have been an outlier because mm-hmm. I haven't seen. You know, over I his seen, time, he's I the haven't same seen, way. Yeah, I haven't. I seen a you know a linear progression the entire time, and I haven't seen that you know that that trajectory that I'd like to see and. That's why, yeah, I'm with you. I, I don't know if you really have anybody on that defense that you can say, oh, no, no, any down, any distance, any situation, don't matter. Red zone, uh, don't matter if, you know, we are in, you know, late in the game or if it's early in the game. The situation, circumstances, I matter. That guy is one of my best 11. Um, I'm, obviously, you will have 11 starters out yeah. there. Um, you hope that DeMarvion Overshone is that guy. I think Anthony Cook and Dorothy Armstrong are most likely those guys based on their performance last year and consistency with the coaching staff now in the same system as Matt mentioned. But, yeah, man, last year I I didn't see enough from, uh, you know, Jalen Ford's another guy, right? We we just we saw a little flash from last year. Not his fault because they just put him in there and when they had a drop-off in, in place, so he probably should have played even more. Uh, but next year we're expecting a huge Leap. There's three guys in that category you just mentioned, him. like the Jalen Ford category. Byron Murphy, who Matt just Byron talked about. Byron Murphy's one of those guys. Jalen Ford's one of those guys. Yeah. And for me, Jaday Barron's one of those guys. Jaday yeah. Barron's one of those guys. You you see it, and you're like, okay, now I want to see what that looks like when he's getting. Matt, how many, you got the snap counts in front of you? Yeah. yeah. How many snaps did Jaday Barron play last year? Like, give me uh, Jaday Barron's snap totals enough. relative to 
because he was a corner well, last year. Guess. I bet. I give me, give me Jade Barron's snap totals relative to like let's say Deshaun Jameson. Is he one, one hundred and fifty snaps? Like uh, a little bit more, but he was two twenty six. Two twenty six. Yeah, I know. Okay, what, what what was Jameson's last year? Let me oh, search yeah. for him real quick. Yeah, no, Jameson. Jameson played too six, much. I would yeah, six seventy. So <laughs> okay, three times the amount. I want to see what Jade Barron does with four hundred snaps. Agreed. Yeah. Extra- extrapolate yeah. those numbers that you know Pro Football Focus has on those guys, which are really high grades in a minimal number of snaps, and see if that remains consistent. See if even it increases some mm-hmm. of those numbers, or if you get a regression because they play more. So I'm with you. I I, I can't wait to see what you know Jalen Ford. Uh, Jade Barron, those new faces on the defense. And some of them are not new. They're not brand new. They flashed last year, but now they're going to become, you know, kind of the main characters yeah. of this defense. I can't wait to see what those guys do. Well, and that's going to really make the difference. Yeah. Period. It uh, really will. And of anybody that got significant snaps, I mean, Prince Dorba only had nine snaps, but it, take out the guys with single. Uh, like single digit or any anybody less than a hundred snaps. Okay. Jade Barron clearly was the highest graded player on the defense, and he was your best player in coverage. He showed up. I mean, there That's were games impressive. where Jade Barron showed like the on the eye test. I'm not even talking about the PFF grades. Like you watch the flow of the game. Oh, that was a good play Jade Barron just made. And yep. then like a few when, snaps later, oh, it was a good play Jade Barron just when made. When targeted yeah. in coverage on the season, it ended up being a 62. Point one NFL uh, rating. It was twenty targets, only ten receptions for eighty-eight yards. It's like Rod, what, what you're talking about. Sorry, Matt, I didn't mean okay. to cut you off. But like yeah, what you're talking about. Stuff. Like we, like I, I go back to, and I'm not saying because the guys I'm about to talk about, a lot of those guys are still cashing checks in the NFL. But like what you're hoping with with a Jade Barron and a Jalen Ford and a Byron Murphy, you go back like think about early in the careers of like Holton Hill. Charles Amenahu, pretty much that whole group with the exception of Malik Jefferson because Malik played a lot as a true freshman because yeah, he had like to. That but, like, you started yeah. looking, you look at the PFF grades at the end of 2015, like with Deshaun Jameson, Charles Amenahu, Holton Hill, you're like, dude, if these guys just start getting more snaps. They're going to be pretty good football players. Yeah. That was the hope, and they turned lo and behold, be, yeah. all, all three of those guys, two of them got drafted. One would have gotten drafted if it had not been for some – other stuff going on, but yeah, that's kind of what you're hoping for. Uh, I totally agree with you about. Uh, I remember that group when they were young too. But mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, I re- Holden Hill coming from DB High too. Shout and, out. And by the way, as true, as true freshman played on a really bad defense in 2015. Uh, yeah, I mean, we could be. It's just weird. The cycle now kind of flips. Remember, it used to be first year defensive coordinator did really well, and now I guess we're gonna go the other way. <laughs> first defense coordinator is bad, and then maybe maybe PK got the long term. So really good now. defense. No, it's hey, I, I'm cool with it either way, but. I think, you know, now that Sark has basically, essentially, he has declared we're going to be able to play better man coverage. That's what we want to do. I think they looked at the defense and tried to troubleshoot all the different problems they had on defense, power rank them, like you said. And I think they went through and said, yes, we really we really need to improve on the edges. That is the start of the deterioration of our defensive formula. But – there's really nothing we have done in the offseason, acquisition, talent acquisition-wise, yeah. to really address it. And, we, yeah, talent development, that's what we got to hope. That's what they're, you're, they're relying on talent development at the edges yeah. this year. We really will see if they, they're relying on talent development and kind of the adjustment of their scheme, schematic adjustment, to, to really try to figure out and, 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 and really, I don't know what they're going to do, but I think ultimately try to figure out what the problems were on the edges and I think part of it is the Marvin Overshone and moving him around there situationally. That's not going to solve all your problems. No. All right? <laughs> they, were, they were too expansive and, and too immense, so that's not going to solve all of them. So I'm sure they got some other things in mind. Um, but I, I do like that Sark has already said, listen, we're going to play better man coverage. And part of that was he just went and got guys who can play man coverage or guys who can play a higher brand of it. And that's why you have so many new faces in the back end. And will the experiment work? I think it'll work better. I think it will improve because I think it reminds me of when I was on the 40 Acres and they they moved Ahmad Brooks to safety, they moved Nathan Vasher to safety, they moved me to corner from the nickel and put Quentin Jammer from safety back at corner. And it was all built around, listen, we just don't want to be at a matchup disadvantage when somebody spreads us out in these damn air raid formations that we're starting to see all across the Big 12. And it was a great idea by Coach Akina because everybody could cover. 
You never yeah. have to worry about, oh, man, we got to make sure that that, that DB gets some help because he can't really cover. No, everybody was a corner. Yeah. Everybody felt comfortable in coverage, zero help. And by the way, Carl Burris played a lot of zero coverage and one and, and man one back then, right? So uh, I think that's part of it is that now there's a comfort zone in coverage across the board there. I knew Deshaun Jameson is still out there. But we're hoping that he progresses. If it does indeed work, that you can play better man coverage across the board, that's when you start to win the numbers advantage. Yeah. They're going to bank on, all right, we're going to win the numbers advantage there because we can just lock up across the board man coverage, force the quarterback to hold the ball more, and with that extra defender we have, whoever mm-hmm. it may be, we're either going to be blitzing or we're going to be moving that guy around, um, adding him pretty much to the pass rush in some form or fashion. Um, and I think that's yeah. their ultimate goal. They're hoping and praying that an Alfred Collins or a Byron Murphy or a Tavondre Sweat, somebody steps up and just becomes a grown man yeah. on that defensive front. But right now, that's just a lot of hoping and wishing. They really don't. They really did not address it in terms of a talent acquisition uh, perspective on the defense line. That's it's why. all talent yeah. development. You got. We realize that, right? Yeah. That's yeah. what they did. That's not what you're going to find in a transfer portal necessarily. They did. Oshan Oshan was their best bet, and they didn't get guy. it. Yeah. And they, you know, they got uh, Justice Finkley and some young guys, but they're babies, and I don't expect them to solve that problem overnight. Mm-hmm. So, just this, if you want to see. Talent development, if you want to yep. see if this group really can develop talent, talked about Bo Davis and talked about his coaching prowess and PK as well. Now they brought in Gary Patterson. That's where you will see. Watch the edges next year. Oh, and that would be a schematic adjustment and talent development. It's all going to be right there because if they still whipping Texas on the edges to seven yards of pop in the C&D gap, then we know got some problems in talent development. Yeah. And it would be big if Texas is actually able to make that step because that's a step where we've been struggling for a decade is actually – Recruiting the players and just making them better ourselves, not having to go somewhere else to be able to bring in the talent. Because you aren't going to find elite D linemen in the transfer portal. Those are the no. type of guys that go to the no. league. You are the. Uh, it's up to you Great to point. be yep. able to go and develop those guys. Because you're at Texas, you can actually recruit the bodies that yeah. can become those day one NFL picks there. But whenever you brought up, you know, guys in coverage and looking at like somebody like. You know, where we're going to end up seeing Jamison bring up. I know Jeff had brought up, you know, moving him to safety at times this year. And we looked at the numbers, and it could be great. And we've Mm -hmm. talked a lot about the three safety system in the Big 12 and how much more you right there talking about how everybody needs to cover. Some numbers that a month ago I sort of teased and mentioned briefly, but it at least came to mind now that we had pointed out something about safeties. was another guy that Jaron Thompson last year was literally elite, if you look across the country, in coverage. Now, it was few times that he was there it wasn't necessarily that he was getting all your snaps but he's a guy that played over 500 snaps which is a lot and if you talk about uh, across the country if you put in people with over 200 coverage snaps mm-hmm. his around 280 he ranked nationally it was eighth in wow. coverage snaps per target is 21.3 times he was on the field before he was targeted then if you were lo- look at covered snaps per reception he was top in the country almost if you look at 39.6 which is an elite number it's top in the big 12 and then if you look at uh yards per hmm. reception nationally he was third in the country 6.6 per reception and what made me think about it was when i saw the coverage passer rating of 62.1 well the only guy on the team better was going to be Jaron Thompson, NFL wow. passer rating of 61.7 when targeted in coverage. And in mm. the Big 12, you had Texas Tech's Eric Monroe was the only guy that had more covered snaps and fewer targets. It was once every 21.5 covered snaps was he targeted. So you did have one it's guy performing elite, and that was just at safety. Well, but elite in a, in coverage, yes, yes, but not, not necessarily elite run. as a tackler. That's but it's like another you, tool. You can be exposed as a safety if you're good, if you're – if you're good yeah. at one thing yeah. and then you're horrible at another. making tackles, he was yeah. 21. So it's like, all right, you know what? Let's just let's just stay away from him in coverage and let's make him a run defender more and more. Yep. So it goes back to talent development. Yep. Okay, you know what? We want him on the field more. So either as a coach, you figure out, all right, let's put him in more situations that are predictable pass situations, so that we can highlight his strengths, mm-hmm. right? And we can you know d- diminish his weaknesses. Or you be a coach. Don't run from coaching. Don't run from it. As Mike Thomas say, don't run from coaching. Don't run from coaching, all right? Go out there and teach that guy how to be great as a run support safety. Go show him, hey, man, coverage, you're elite. You want to play in the NFL? We got to dedicate yeah. ourselves to being a great uh, run support safety. 
and and teach them, teach them the fundamentals of it, teach them the keys, teach them what to look for, teach them how to, you know, run the alley, out of control, under control, teach them how, you know, to how in pursuit, how to pursue without making sure you don't over pursue something, mm-hmm. right? Your angles to the football, all those different things. Because as you point out, the young man's got skill. Yeah. He's elite in the one aspect of his skill set. All right, you know what? Then let's work on your weaknesses. So like I said, we, the, the coaching – if they if they are the real deal in terms of talent development, I think we will be able to tell on defense. And so a lot of different areas. And I wonder what they're going to do in their dying package. I can't wait to see the dying package. I'm actually really excited about it because I'm with you. I I think I don't know. Maybe then you'll see your Deshaun Jameson to safety. Man, thing. I hope so. You know what I mean? And you got you mm-hmm. got some. I, I'm excited to see the safeties. Now you yeah. got Keaton Crawford at safety, Anthony Cook at safety. You talked about Jerry Thompson. That's an elite coverage group of safeties back there in terms of they're being able to cover. We asked Deshaun Robinson to uh, on our show to name his four by one hundred team right on, 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 from the football team yeah. right from the roster. He put Keaton Crawford on that thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was, I was like, safety. damn. That's impressive. So he, exactly. Yeah. And then Sarkeesian keeps mentioning, oh, no, Ken Crawford can run, run. Mm-hmm. So they got they got safeties that can cover and run. And I even wonder if – because they got Jaday Barron at corner. They got Ryan Watts at corner. I wouldn't doubt if they do some funky stuff when they put their sub package in for that dime package because that's when you can afford to do some funky and kind of creative. And you got really good safeties. Yep. Jim Knowles said his, his three safety defense, oh, no, we're a safety-driven defense. Uh, yeah. He's one of the first guys I heard say that, and and you can do that in what certain I, yeah. Passes. What I like about that now, Rod, is with the move of Jade Barron, the move of Keaton Crawford, the move of Anthony Cook. There's some Coach Aquino used to do. You cross trained a lot of guys mm-hmm. at both spots. They work corner. Yeah. They know corner. They know safety. At least how the nuances of both those spots work. And you can speak to him, and it's it's different techniques, and especially now, you know. The way football is today, reading things as a corner, reading things as a safety. I mean, it's mm-hmm. different worlds. They're, those parts aren't really interchangeable. No, aren't as interchangeable as maybe I, they once were. I think were. they're actually more and more distant from them than yeah. they used to be. Back in the days, like, oh, he's the old corner. Put him at safety mm-hmm. uh, because I do think I think those two skill sets uh, they did. They I think they intersected more. Now I'm with you. I think I think your safeties now are in their own world. Yeah, as opposed to what the corners are dealing with. No, so what's interesting, like yeah. a guy like like I saw the football life documentary on him. I was going down a rabbit hole last weekend. Uh, saw the football life documentary on Charles Woodson. hadn't seen his. Oh, I wish I, I hadn't seen that either. But it's it's weird. Like you look at his career, they made that move with him when he went from Oakland to Green Bay. It's like, well, he's kind of old, broke down, he's moving to safety. You can look at Charles Woodson's NFL career and say he was a much better safety than he was a corner, and he was great can, as a corner. You can definitely yep. make that case. And But you I mean, know what? Because how they started using him, right? So they used him as safety, but he's also playing nickel. Yeah. They were also using him in different ways. It was So it, it just, yes, he, he was a better safety property than he was a corner, but I think not necessarily because of the skill set. I think it's because you can utilize a safety in so many more ways yeah. yep. than you can just a corner, which is I still don't know why safety is undervalued. I don't mm-hmm. get it. I'm like, man, because I, I, I think, honestly, the lot a lot of defenses these days are way more dependent on a hybrid uh, versatile safety than they are on a lockdown corner. Lockdown corners are pretty much disappearing. I, you can call them lockdown corners if you want to. Oh, yeah, but the hell, up. Everybody gets beat these days. Oh, yeah, look yeah. at Jalen Ramsey in the Super Bowl. Oh, look at all you, the best teams. They Using multiple safeties is yep. way more popular way, in the NFL. Look at Bob, look, look at Bob Quinn. Dan Quinn. Bob yep. Quinn. Dan Quinn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sorry, Dan. Uh, but, and sorry, Bob. But Dan <laughs> Dan Quinn loves the three safeties. By yep. 40% of their defensive rest for the Cowboys, they use big nickel and they use three corners, three safeties when they do their dime package. Mm-hmm. So he, Jay Run, he's made Jay Run Curse a star. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned that, Rod, but I don't know when it started shifting. But I remember when Texas was recruiting Sherrod Evans mm-hmm. uh, out of Fort Ben Dulles. Yeah, I remember that. And I went down there. It's when I was on the road doing recruiting. I went down there. Uh, Jim Creech was a head coach at Dulles. And we're sitting with him in his office, and he we just kind of talk about just Sherrod's evolution. Because remember, Sherrod Evans coming out, there's a debate like, hey, he can run track at Texas, and does he have an outside shot to maybe be an Olympian as that, track right? guy? Yeah. And we're just talking, kind of talking about the football evolution of him, and he's like, they tried him at a couple different spots, and he said, you know, we we had him at corner. He's like, but then we realized, you know what? If he's at corner, it's gonna be real easy for the defense to run away from him, and you can take him out of a game if he's just on one side of the field. Let's just put him in middle field safety, so that way. No matter where you run the football or throw the football, you have he's to deal with him. Yeah, yeah, he's in the play. I totally agree with that. And it's like that's so <clears> – it's, again, it's a lot of stuff that in my football theory I break it down to. It sounds so simple, yet 
it's like, why don't you see more people look at the safety position that way? Example, go back to the Cowboys, how much they've undervalued the safety position. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, actually, the Cowboys probably have undervalued it more than anybody else in the league. That's why I think much. that's where Deshaun James is going to end up. I think they're going to get him either as a late-round pick or an undrafted free agent. They'll move him to safety, and he'll make their team. Yeah, no, I, I, I guess because he, he seems I like the kind of the kind of player that Dan Quinn would like that would you he would utilize. Yeah, no, I I think Texas could actually use. I'm with you. I think he he could be rejuvenated pretty, pretty much at safety. It's crazy. It's just because in our heads, for as football men, whatever football philosophers, they believe that a a body type has to always fit a skill set, and mm-hmm. most of the time it does because. The young people grow into their bodies. We're so talking about that with O line, happens. like O yeah. line, like but the the body, the body does. composition. It's going to eliminate it, it, a certain yeah, number exactly. of people. Usually, it fits, but every now and then, mm. and I, you see it more in basketball yeah. because you see growth spurts. Yeah, right. And oh, you yeah, end up with AD. a big man that can handle the rock, and you're like, how did that happen? Well, he, he was a point guard, he, and, he he <laughs> and then he had yeah growth spurts. So it's because your, your body was weird, mm-hmm. so it, he adjusted to it in a strange, and obtuse way. And so, and, and every now, every now and then in football, you'll get a skill set that doesn't necessarily line up with the body type and I Quandre Diggs is probably the best example we bring mm-hmm. up time and time again but yeah he's a safety in the league and yet I'm I, I, I swear I'm sorry Quandre I'm taller than Quandre all right uh, but Quandre's one of the best safeties in the league and we all saw that and it made sense but it, it saw it took Matt Patricia to go yeah man I, <laughs> listen you got you can pl- keep playing nickel slot or corner if you want to but I mean, I'm telling you, you're a safety. You're Matt just in a cornerback's body. Getting torched. And yeah. It, it was Quandre kept on beating them <laughs> the scout team. Yeah. Safety. And he said, honestly, and then your skill set actually will help you because then everybody you cover, that'll be child's play for you at safety. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You'll, be, you'll be having fun covering tight ends and all those guys at safety. Yeah. Uh, and you're physical enough where you can come down in the box and tackle. It does, it doesn't make sense to the, you know, to the untrained eye. But football theory, it, it's perfect. It's a perfect fit. Well, yeah, the high. You got the Sean Jameson theory. I yeah. think also fits. That. And it's a position where your high football IQ is only going to help you so much more moving Boom. to that position. Exactly. It's one of the few that it's actually going to be something that's going to add to you, and it's something that's almost unquantifiable if you're just looking at the measurables. Yeah, that's why, like with Jameson, and I, this is what I want to ask you, Rod. So we'll, we'll kind of wrap up with this. I just go back to his skill set as a high school player and his ability to handle the ball on offense, his ability to handle the ball in the return game. We've seen his ability to read it on deep. But, like, to do all that, yeah, it takes a skill set. But you, you also have to have some football IQ about oh, you no doubt. to be able to understand, to be able to, to, to function mm-hmm. in multiple ways on the field. Yeah. And with him, I, I like, when I think of player development, and I think his situation can reverberate around the whole defense because oh, yeah. there are a lot of young guys mm-hmm. on this defense or, or guys that were young last year. Uh, and and they've all everybody. If you've been in this program, you've gone through some level of coaching change. Unless you were a true freshman last year and coming yeah. back this year with the same staff, you've dealt with a ton of coaching changes. Yeah. I think about wide receiver only guess. All right, and I think about Jamison's career. Right, he starts out on offense, so mm-hmm. he no corner training. Yeah, I remember that conversation. Slot the first year, yeah. Playing the slot. I think he might have dabbled in corner and camp a little bit, but by yeah. by there was a point where he was just playing offense. And then you go to the second year, and Jason Washington is his corners coach, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Then you go to 2020 in that wonky offseason, and it's Chris Ash and Jay Valai. And then you go to year three on defense, and it's Terry Joseph and Pete Kwiatkowski. This will be the first time in Deshaun's Jameson, Deshaun Jameson's career at Texas where he's had the same position coach two years in a row. This is true. It's a good point. Like, mm. it, I, That helps. Yeah, it but— helps. Like, how, think about you, Rod, like going from Dwayne Aquino year one to Dwayne Aquino year two. Mm-hmm. If you went, I bet if you went and watched spring cutups of you, Dwayne Aquino's first spring, and then went and watched game tape from your senior year, you probably saw a completely different player. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree. You know, it, it's definitely going to, it's going to help uh, tremendously because he's just, it's the same, it's, it's consistency in the message, consistency in the technique that's been talked, in the fundamentals, in the system, because the same system defensively. Uh, so there should be a comfort level and a familiarity with that. What I want from Deshaun Jameson watching, because I was actually watching the secondary a couple of weeks ago, I I don't see him, you know, we always talk about quarterbacks in their pre-snap read. Like, I, I really would like to talk to him and ask him, like, what's your pre-snap read? Like, what, because... It, there are clues. You should be, you, as a as a cornerback, you kind of a you know you're a football investigator out there, right? There are clues being given to you. There's a down. There's a distance. There's a formation. There's a personnel package. There's the tendencies you've watched on film. The strengths and the weaknesses. Uh, you know all the and the information that you've gathered throughout the game. 
mm-hmm. yeah. about how they're trying to exploit you. How they're trying to attack you, man. They love, they're going to run that tunnel screen to death today. Okay, you know what? They're definitely going to try to get me with that tunnel and go. You know what I mean? Like, you should be thinking through the, and I really would like to know, like, how, how, what clues are you getting pre-snap? And what are you extrapolating from those clues to help you as a corner get an advantage once the ball is snapped? Because mm-hmm. you shouldn't be guarding every route on right. the route tree. No. Every snap. Yeah. If you got to do that, then you're never going to be a good corner. Good corners understand, like, all right, listen, they 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 got it. They got uh, two by two formation here. Uh, I'm on the outside receiver. There's no way he's gonna run a post route. I've been watching film. They never run a post route from here, so that's out of my mind. Uh, you know what I mean? Like you mm-hmm. should. They're just you start yeah. canceling out. So you DeMarvin go. Right, they, never, they never yeah. run the deep. You know what I mean? But you're DeMar- a football like, investigator. You yeah. start canceling out routes in your head as you go and you go. Okay, well basically it's about four or five routes they can hit me with here, and three of them are deep. So if he runs a stop route, there's a 80% chance it's going to be a curl here because that's what they do. They like the smash route out of the curl, the smash combo with the post inside. So I could jump it, and if I see it, I'm jumping. You know what I mean? Like you, yeah. in, your, you, in your head, you start working through it, and you. And I can tell you how many times as a corner I was so upset with myself because I didn't believe my pre-snap evaluation. Yeah, I was like, damn it, I was right. He yep. was going to run the curl, Rob. Me believe it. And I was. I, I love guys because I didn't I didn't have the scones for I didn't have the cojones to believe everything I actually in my you pre-snap read. read. Because if I did, I'd probably been a way better corner. Guys like Nathan Vasher, they believed it every time. He mm-hmm. never doubted himself. Yeah. Every time he had a pre-snap read, he was like, Oh, I think they're gonna they're gonna run the six route here. He believed it. He was like, I'm jumping the six route. And that's every how, time he saw Ed, that that's wide receiver. That's how a guy like Ed Reed played the game. Yeah, he started yeah. exactly. They have ultimate trust in their instincts. And when their wide receiver would sink his hips, Nasty Nate's gone. Mm. He'd run the route for him. And yeah. boom, he'd be like, how did he get there? Because Nasty Nate is a great football investigator, so he does the pre-snap read. He uh narrowed down the route combinations, and he's a guy that ultimately always trusts himself. I did not trust myself all That's the time. That's how Trevon Diggs I probably can, can be a guy yes. that gives up the worst, biggest Same plays, guy. but also makes sometimes the he's wrong. plays. Sometimes a football investigator, oh, Trevon yeah. Diggs is just damn wrong. He's like, oh, I thought it was going to be an end cut. Turns out it was a double move. He's like, I, yep. I was wrong. And Coach will live with it because he's like, he's going to give me a pick in a couple of plays, so mm-hmm. I'm cool with that. Yep. He's a high-risk, high-reward corner. You know what your corners are. But I was not a high-risk, high-reward corner. I was a corner that's like, no, I'm going to make – the, I was all about making the safe play, yep. um, which is not always the best way. But, but also, I, your role on the defense probably fit that. Like they, it did. I, they didn't need me taking coverage. risks. They exactly. just need, yeah, they needed me to just be a sound coverage corner out there. But I, I wonder if he, if they understand their football investigators that you also have giving clues out there, yeah. and that you should be narrowing down based on your film study, based on how much information you've gotten throughout the game, how they're trying to attack you and exploit you. All those things, you should be within fifteen seconds going. They're only going to hit me with four routes on this play. And I, 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 can, I can take out two of them right now by just my alignment and my position. You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. hard to build that confidence when you're on a bad defense. Too. It is. So, like, that's where this year. As a veteran year. football player, as a senior, everybody yep. should be doing it. That's my point about right. Sean Payton. He, he should be at that level. I now. thought he was going to be one of those high risk, high reward guys based on how he played oh, early no in the sophomore year. We and thought he was going to be like a nasty Nate yeah. kind of guy. Just and, yep. ball hawk. And, but what you're talking about, Rod, you talk about that a lot. I heard DeMarvin Overson talk about this about Big 12 media days, and this might be the one thing on this defense that I I've heard this offseason that, yeah. that, that gives me hope. And he talked about it. He said he, he's been watching film with PK, and the, the, this time they've got to spin with each other that the NCAA allows coaches, which I don't know why that wasn't happening before, but I digress. Seriously. Uh, but they've been able to watch film, and PK's kind of taught him, and he's learned, like, okay, as an off-ball linebacker, based on the formation, based on the leverage of the formation, based on where the backs lined up, he's like, you can go through in your head pre-snap, and start canceling out stuff. Okay, I know in that alignment, I know they don't run outside zone, so it's got to be either inside zone or a trap or something. And and by the time the ball snapped, it's you're down to one or two things that they're going to do. Exactly. And then based on really that instantaneous movement at the snap, that out you know the outside foot or the key read if he goes in or out, you know like oh inside zone, and then you go and you go and you stop thinking it and you react. And then that's how he's like, oh, he looks fast on the field. Well, he's diagnosing the play faster than everybody else. So yeah. I, I, I heard that quote, and I saw that quote, and I pray that he, he and everybody else on that defense are starting to have that type of mindset. Because it's, it's, the NFL, it's why when you get there, you're, they'll all realize, if they are lucky enough to get there, everybody's got talent. There are freaks. There are freaks. Yeah. There are some. They're just they're X-Men. I cannot – I don't know what, what the hell they were feeding them when they were babies. <laughs> I don't know if they got that formula that they're using in, in the boys – but they are freaks. Yeah. They are literally they are mutants. Okay. Yeah. They don't they don't they don't live like the rest of us. 
But 85% of the NFL is just got re- everybody's got really good athletic talent, yeah. like next level talent. But I'm telling you, man, when you watch a guy like Dre Bly cover Randy Moss, who and he's got love handles, and I, I don't know what Dre Bly ran, maybe <laughs> a high fofo. He runs step for step with Randy Moss, but not because of athletic talent, but because he's diagnosing the play beforehand, so he's got great leverage. Uh, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. he knows exactly what route combination Randy's going to hit him with. And then you and then you talk to Blizz about it, and Blizz goes, oh, yeah, man, this is – and he, talk, he talks you through it. He talks you about being a football investigator. you got about 15 seconds to break it all down, but look, look at the clues. Learn mm-hmm. the clues. Use the clues. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. they wide receiver give, he gives you the route. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes when he goes Full to run work. a deep route, he, he clinches up and gets down in this thing. Let's get off it. Get line of scrimmage real hard because I got to get get on this nine route. I'm going deep downfield. It's going to be. And sometimes they come out real relaxed. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, he's definitely not running deep downfield. <laughs> he seems relaxed. And yes. all he runs is a little a little hitch or he runs a little drag route just because they're they're relaxed and yeah. just there to me. You, these are all they're little tells. clues. That, yes. Yes. Just so, like poker. Sometimes don't play the hand, play the man. There you go. And all those little clues are everywhere in football, but yep. you got to be able to decipher them. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what my man Demo's talking Hi, about. Yeah. You. That's uh, where those that's quandaries. Where the high, that's the way it it's is. Like, just watch the Longhorns that are on it's the Seahawks. Puna Ford's a D-line version of it, and then you yeah, Quandre on the back end. But I, I remember asking Ovia Gofu this late in the year, and I brought up the term robotic, and he's like, yeah, we are kind of a little robotic where you're just so focused on – this is my assignment within the scheme. But we talk about that. It's like any. It seems like any time we talk about a bad Texas defense, it's almost like guys just get to the point where it's like, okay, what is my assignment on this play? And you're just so tunnel vision, like, don't screw up, don't screw up, don't screw up. That you're not, you're not processing you're not anything football. going on. You're trying you. hard, but you're just going through the motions at that point. But no, I'm saying like you're not. But you're right. Your focus pieces. is not on okay, trying to read anything. It's just like. Don't screw up. Don't screw up. Mm-hmm. Don't screw up. You have and, a one-track mind as a football player, and that's mm-hmm. crazy. And that's it's why like, it looks like that's why some yeah. some of those run plays last year that yeah. spit outside that went for big games. It did look like guys are guessing. Yeah. I'm running to where I think the play yeah. is going. I had this gap, and it's like, yeah, yeah but the guys downfield. It's a zone play, like <laughs> the back bounce. Independent <laughs> players doing different yeah. things instead of working no, together. No, I, 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 I said I, it's a great point because Shano has a great quote, and I know we get closer in here. Be coachable. Don't be a robot. <laughs> Son, the, the coaching point is the starting point for you. After that, go play football. Yeah. There's a reason yeah. you are here because you're a football player. Yep. I give you the starting point as a coach. I give you the keys as a coach. But out there as a football player, go. don't be a robot. The artistic freedom you were given by Akina. Like, yep. that's, that's that's go paint it, brother. Honestly, artistic freedom. I know we don't have exactly. enough time to get into this. That's why I hate, in a lot of ways, the way football is taught at the lower levels. Mm-hmm. Some ways, like in middle school mm-hmm. and stuff, because you're like just teaching guys plays. Okay, a game of memory. you're just teaching guys how to memorize a play. But I always figure, oh, even like going back through like your middle school days, I'm thinking, okay, yeah, you're teaching us how to block this against a fifty front. What if they're running an even front? Exactly. And then it's like nuclear Whoa. physics at that point. Like, what no, was it? Uh, it was Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was Nebraska last year, remember? He was like, I forgot what it was the odd of the even front. He was like, yeah, all season all season long we had just prepared yeah. for them to run the, the even front. And it was like, but they ran the odd front. And they brought like, yeah. Scott like, Frost back. So you didn't adjust to it? He was like, no. We just uh, we caught us by surprise. Like, no, no. Solve the problem, coach. Yeah. Don't solve the problem. But you're right, because the players, they should be having a discussion on the sideline. Like, coach, we need to switch it up, coach, because they're, they're attacking us this way. Nobody had the discussion because everybody's thinking about football as a one-track thing. Like, yeah. You taught to do it this way. It's like, no, that's why Mike Leach, you got to give him credit. He's all about the artistic. And even like the game. listening to Kyle Flood, his lecture at coaching school, breaking down, he didn't get into like run schemes for Texas, but basically kind of how he teaches it. It's not like you're know, teaching zone schemes. It used to be just, hey, <laughs> the simplest form of teaching zone blocking, hey, step, you know, zone, if it's going to the left, you step mm-hmm. to the left, and the first thing that crosses your face, that's your guy. Yep. No, now you're teaching it like, okay, is he on your body? Is he off your body? We're in an inside zone or an outside zone. Mm-hmm. And you're not teaching plays. You're teaching you're teaching and coaching conceptual football. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, yeah. that's how it should be teaching at all the levels. Why. Teaching yeah. the why yes. instead yes. of the, the what. And that's you got to get to the why. Like and That's why – you know, the you'll why get to, isn't defiant. The why is just asking the question. Exactly. It, yeah, and I think that's what you're all about, the concepts. I'm with you. I love it. I love that. That's what's happening. Hopefully, that's what's happening. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like 
feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Well, I would love to continue this this discussion, but uh, we're out of time, so yes, we got to wrap it up. Matt, thanks for everything, man. You're more than welcome. Rod, we appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother. Anytime. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn 1049 AM twelve sixty streaming on that Horn app and at hornfm.com where you can get Rod B and Mike Harge each and every weekday on Ball Don't Lie from three to seven. Shameless plug. You can also get myself and Craig Way each and every week on Light the Tower from ten to noon. And thanks to Matt, get all of our archives, our classic interviews and shows are on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Search Horns 24-7 anywhere you get your podcast. That's Horns 247. No dashes, no slashes, no spaces. Click that follow button. Get every episode of The Blitz when it drops on Tuesdays. And don't forget to leave us a five-star review. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com.